Believe in yourself and invest in yourself because nobody else is going to. And when, when you say invest in yourself, that doesn't mean financially back your ideas. What it means is invest in yourself in terms of your time. Another episode of Spotlight with Danny Brearley, Managing Director of Subconscious Sounds. In today's episode, we examine something that a lot of entrepreneurs don't really understand, which is just going with your love and not really worrying about the money. Like why, why have we got uh, subconscious sounds and how did you end up doing this? What was the start of you? Yeah. Um, well, basically, um, I've always been a massive music lover, especially live music. Um, and I've always been very sort of... Um, entrepreneurial um, and very sort of like business minded but I never really put the two and two together um, when I was when I was young obviously I, I sort of left school at 16 I was working um, and I went I was 17 I went to work in Spain for a little bit I come back um, I tried a little bit of college didn't last five minutes because I was used to working and having the money so I went back to work and um, basically um, through my 20s I um, just going from sort of job to job, I've worked in any and every job you can imagine. I've worked in construction, I've worked in offices, you know, I've done sort of any job and every job sort of going. Um, and then when I got to um, my sort of late 20s, um, I started going out and seeing, I had a couple of friends who were singers. So I was going out to sort of like the, the live sort of underground scene in Birmingham. to like the smaller gigs and stuff. Um, went to a few gigs and that really enjoyed myself. And I was like, this is great, but it could be so much better. Do you know what I mean? Um, and it was like, obviously, and my friends just sort of encouraged me, but that Danny, you've got you've got the know-how, you've got the brains to do this, blah, blah, blah. You should do this. You, you should be managing us. You should be doing this, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I just started um, Subconscious Sounds. I think it was summer of 2014. Um, I put my first event on in September 2014 at the Irish Centre yeah, in Birmingham. Yeah. I had Grace Davis headline, who... She was runner-up on X Factor uh, 2018, yeah. I think it was. She was 21, 22. She was 17 when she performed for me. Uh, nobody knew who she was. Um, then she had uh, she had meetings with Psycho, Simon Cowell, and uh, Sony's label. She sang in front of the A&Rs. They loved her. Um, didn't want to sign her straight away. Wanted to put her on Britain's Got Talent. Didn't do that. A couple of years later, they put her on um, X Factor, overnight fan base 30k followers on twitter within two weeks wow. normal shebang that's how yeah. it works you know people think that these sort of shows the talent isn't handpicked 12 months even two years previous it is you know they can't rely on um you know great talent just walking through the door to audition you know they're handpicked so, so to speak but anyway going back to um yeah september 2014 i put my first event on uh, it was quite successful we had the the big room upstairs, I think it holds like 300 people. I think we had about 150, maybe 200 people there. That was my first event. Um, and just from there, I always, when I started Subconscious Sounds, it was like, um, it was always going to be artist and event management. But I always felt that the artist management was something that was further down the line. It was something that I, I need to build my experience and knowledge, expertise, etc. Sort of build my network, build my experience before I can you know, bring something to the table um, in terms of the artist management side. So it was like, I wanted to do the event management to sort of build the brand, build the network, you know, l learn, sort of put myself through the music school, basically, yeah. rather than go to uni. Yeah. I saw it as 
just putting on events. I was putting on like three events a week. In the first couple of years, 2000, second half of 2014 and most of like 2015, 2016, I was working in like three or four different venues at a time, doing two or three sort of gigs a week, sort of loads of um, regular stuff. And um, that was, like I say, that was just me put, like putting myself through school. I'm just going to learn, just going to put myself out there and learn um, and sort of and try and build the brand. And um, the artist management will something that will come further down the line. Because um, the way I see it is, if I would have done the artist management in the beginning, obviously I didn't know then what I know now. Um, so I've been doing the event management side for six years now, uh, since 2014. Um, I've been an artist manager for just over 12 months. I signed my first artist last year. Um, I met Ruby, Ruby J. Uh, summer last year I think, I think it was like a day or two after her 14th birthday in june last year she just turned 14 uh, just turned 15 now so um so yeah i've been an artist manager for about 14 15 months officially um in the past like i said i had a couple of friends that were, like, that were singers that i was like helping out i was getting i was getting them on uh, radio interviews and getting them gigs and stuff like that um but i was more sort of just like helping them really um, I wasn't, wasn't really sort of managing because, you know, as much as they asked me to manage them and they want, wanted me to manage them, I said, at the end of the day, you're a friend first. I know you as a friend first, so I can't manage you basically because it's like, you know, if I'm going to tell you to do something, you're going to be like, it's Danny, it's my mate. Yeah. You know, so either you're not going to treat me as your manager or we're going to fall out and that's going to obviously affect our friendship. So I can't manage it. I'll help you out till the, you know, all day long. I'll help you. I'll do whatever I can do. You know, if I've got events on you and you want to perform and stuff like that, you know, you're always sort of welcome. Um, but I can't manage it being a friend. And I also said, like, I'm not really, um, the art, like I said, the artist management side is something that I was further down the line. Um, so you feel like you've evolved into that? Yeah, that sort of evolved. Yeah. I mean, I always knew that's always what I wanted to do. Um, but just having that love for live music and having that scene, the, the Birmingham scene when I came into it, 2014, it was very sort of, um, it wasn't where it is now, basically. Um, it was very much sort of, um, events weren't very well attended. Everything was sort of in pockets. You had like little different groups. You would have like a reggae crowd, you would have like metal crowd, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. you have the ravers, yeah. big Bertha into, you know, the, the dance music and stuff like that. So you had sort of very... Birmingham's very um, diverse. It's very multicultural, um, but it's very diverse. So you've got, you know, you've got 100 people here doing this. But you're spreading it. That's it's, really it's very spread, sort of spread yeah. out. Um, so what I tried to do is, um, with my events, I made them sort of very versatile, very multi, multi-genre. multi So we would have, you know, we would have a, we'd have a band on, we'd have a rap battle, we'd have a jerk barbecue, we would have uh, uh, acoustic singer-songwriters, we'd have sort of, you know, multiple genres and multiple things sort of going on. Um, at different events and I think uh, that's probably why they were fairly successful in terms of um, you know being sort of well attended and things like that um, but yeah it was just a case of um, you know just, just just finding out for myself basically you know I just sort of just put myself out there I didn't know anybody I didn't know any other promoters um, you know I didn't I didn't sort of know anybody on the sort of business side of the music game I just sort of you know like I said I knew a couple of singers and then obviously I got to know more um, artists and stuff um, as I was putting myself out there. I think putting events on is easy but basically you um, you know people do fall into that trap to just sort of they're paying through the nose for what they want yeah, yeah, yeah. basically. Hard to do. 
you know they're not taking everything into consideration they're not sort of you know in terms of you know when you book a dj or you book a band or you book a singer rapper um you know everything's negotiable there isn't like you know a set price you know if you're Stormzy or your Ed Sheeran or something like that, you don't get paid the same amount for every show that you do. It all depends. It's yeah. supply and demand, it depends on the audience. Audience size, yes, exactly. Is. Audience size, yeah. you know what I mean? You know, whether it's a festival, whether it's, you know, uh, O2 Academy or whether it be, you know, whatever it sort of be, everything's different. So, like you say, coming back to, um, you know, people that are just big, that's why I have to sort of separate myself from being a fan of live music to then really trying to do what sense. makes sense. Yeah. yeah, you know running a business in terms of I wouldn't put I wouldn't put on live music that I know nothing about not just because I'm not a fan of that music it's because I haven't got the, the knowledge yeah. enough to know oh, okay you know this is this could work yeah. or this will definitely work etc but yeah people do fall into I've seen it I've, you know there's a lot of people that throw thousands of pounds um, at events and you know they lose a lot of money same with festivals I've seen I've seen people put on festivals that have cost them seventy-five thousand pound, and they haven't even made twenty-five back. Yeah, you know yeah. they've lost fifty grand yeah. on a festival, and, quite, and that's that's easily done. I lost quite a lot of money on my first event. That is really easily I done. I think about seven people came. Yeah. See, my first event going back to uh, going back to my first event was just saying um, September two thousand fourteen at the Irish Centre. It was funny because um, the guy who ran the venue. Uh, initially, when I booked the venue, I had to leave a deposit and I had to cover the um, security staff for that night. Um, got, got, to, got, to the, got to the actual event on the evening um, and the gaffer, about halfway through the night, so about 10 o'clock in the night, that, the gaffer came up to um, you know, see what it was all about and uh, took me in his office and he said, there's your deposit back. And he said, I'm paying for the security. He absolutely he loved the event, loved me. Uh, money coming through too. Um, and yeah, so it was like, um, so yeah. You're right when you talk about it was the like, your, It was like, there's your deposit back. And he said, don't worry about the, the two security staff. He said, I'm going to pay their wages. Um, I did dip my toes in the water a little bit with the club night scene. I tried to incorporate live music with the club scene. I thought, you know what we could do? Um, we could have a club night. Um, and before it gets too late, we can have a little. We can have live PA's, sort of like you know, sort of before midnight, um, and try and sort of uh, incorporate the two. Have the best of both worlds. Have you know the DJs and have a little bit of live music and stuff like that. But wasn't that much demand for it? No. To be honest, there's not. It, it really isn't. But Different again, it's, crowd, don't it? Yeah, but Different again, crowd. it's trial and error. You don't find out. You know, like you said, you know, with. with the event side and stuff like that, um, you know, losing money on events and things like that. That's how you learn. I've lost uh, money on events. Oh, but made me realise I was not 100%. Oh, I was like, listen for me. Yeah. I'm straight away. I've lost money on events as, as, as recent as last year. Uh, and I've been doing it six years. Yeah, I've realised it was you know, straight it's, away. It swings and roundabouts, it's up and down. So, you know, I've put I've put on events that um, have cost me nothing uh, um, and have made maybe a few hundred pounds. Uh, um, I've put on events that have maybe cost me a thousand pound and I've probably lost 500. Um, you know, anything and everything and everything in between. Best part of my job is actually enjoying something that you've put together. Yeah. I love the, you know, the planning stage. I love when I've got, you know, um, I know what's happening. Um, like I've got an event that, that I know is going on and I'm in the really early planning stages. I love that. I love getting my teeth into it. I'll, I'll literally, from the start of planning an event to finishing planning an event, I won't stop. I won't stop for a break. Um, you know, I will and, until everything's done, 
that that's where I'll start. That's what that's what I love about events in terms of that another again, like you said, when you go when you move towards larger amounts of people, like whether it be, you know, like the club scene and stuff like that, when you go from like outside of three hundred people or six hundred people and you go to like, you know, a few thousand people, or if you go to a you know, random nightclubs that might have eight hundred people or something like that, you lose that uh the community of not, you know, when you attend an event that's got 100 people or 300 people, something like that, everybody's there for the same reason. Everybody's like-minded. So everybody's naturally going to get on. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if you're in a nightclub with 800 people or you're somewhere with 4,000 people or whatever, that's when you do get, you know, your sort of problem. <laughs> Again, with events, it's all timing as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You need to, you have to find artists and DJs when they're at that point where they have got a demand, but they haven't got that leverage to the point where they can demand big fees because they, you know, they're because you know, if once an, an artist or a band, uh, DJ, whatever, once they get to a certain you know level where they can sell out, you know, five hundred tickets in twenty different cities in the UK, whatever it be, um, you know, then it's a case of everybody wants to book them. Yeah, it's impossible. Know, yeah. So it, yeah, it's sort it's of impossible, impossible, you know. And obviously, like you say, booking someone, David Getter's no point in him being there. Nobody knows who he is. Um, you've got to find artists when they're at that that sort of 12 month or two year period where they go from a nobody to a somebody yeah. but you've got it you know what i mean it's timing you've uh, got to catch them in yeah. that biggest inspiration and why um biggest inspiration it's funny because um when i was sort of younger as a sort of teenager um get listening to um, lots of sort of like hip-hop and uh indie bands and stuff like that um like whether it be like oasis or whether it be like tupac or something like that you know it was like i was always sort of very as much as i was very intrigued by the artist i was always very intrigued by like the business side like oasis's manager alan mcgee i was very intrigued by him I was very intrigued by um, Shug Knight, who ran yeah. Death Row Records. Yeah. And then you had Jimmy Avine, who, you know, sort of ran Interscope. Um, I was sort of very, fa- very much fascinated with the with the CEOs and the label owners and the managers. And that was, I was sort of very fascinated from a young age. Um, I've read the only book I've ever read in my whole life. This is hand on heart, genuine. It was The Violent Rise and Fall of Death Row Records, which was like, I'd already seen the, the documentary yeah. DVD. I bought the DVD. Um, but like I read this book and uh, it's weird because, like you know, like I say, as a teenager, I was always very fascinated with the business side of music. Um, but I never really, until, you know, until sort of like um, in my late 20s, um, I, started, I started Subconscious Sounds at uh, age 29, 2014. And I think it wasn't until then I sort of realised that with the internet and social media that people are accessible and things are doable. You don't really, you see these things as so far-fetched yeah. and, you know, an unrealistic, um, because they are, you know, ridiculously hard goals to achieve that, you know, you know uh, only a small amount of people sort of, you know, get to the uh, to this place. But when you're younger, you just think of, you just see it as so far fetched. Um, and like I said, coming back to with, with the with the internet and social media and stuff like that, it was just like opportunities there. Um, so that's why I did it. But as much as I'd love to have started what I did a lot younger, um, a I don't think the opportunities were there, and B I don't think um, I would have sort of learnt learnt as quick as what I have done now, if I'd have done it back then, do you know what I mean? I, I think I would have been, you know, I, I think I would have been a lot more, I think I would have made probably more 
maybe rash decisions, uh, may, probably would have made more mistakes. Um, you know, I think starting my own business at 29, um, I think allowed me that sort of um, patience to sort of like, you know, um, just because to be honest, I've sort of always saw myself as someone who doesn't really have patience. I've always said that that's my sort of, um, the only thing I'd, I'd love to sort of improve on and something that I am improving on is Patience. patience, do you know what I mean? Everyone is accessible, Everyone's whereas accessible. before they, they really weren't. Every, the thing is this, is, this is where you were seeing now a very sort of transitional period of going back to, we mentioned Lewis Capaldi, didn't we? Do you know, see how Lewis Capaldi is so accessible and people like, people like they, they feel like they know him through his content, through his like humour and his down-to-earth personality. People see Lewis Capaldi as, they, they warm to him because like he's accessible and because they know him, whereas... Back in the day, artists were, it was very a mystique. It was very mysterious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't know what they're like in real life. Yeah. If you're Amy Winehouse or you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. We, they, um, yeah, we had no idea, did we? You know, if you're George Michael or somebody back in the day or whatever. Gary Barlow. Gary Barlow, something like yeah. you, you know, you don't know. These people weren't on social media. They weren't in their kitchen doing Instagram yeah, stories, yeah, yeah. cooking cookies with the kids or yeah. whatever. Do you know what I mean? The game ha has changed. And I think now... As an artist, you have to decide, am I going to be easily accessible or am I going to be a mystery? Because there's no, there's no in between. There's no in between. You've got to be one or the other. You've either got to be, you've either got to be like, treat your fans as friends and be super accessible, constantly, you know, engaging with them all the time. Or you have to be super accessible to like, you know, they're fainting your Michael Jackson um, yeah, yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. level. Do yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And that's, that's one of the, tr the things that I try and say to the young artists is, um, you know, it's be pick pick one and be true to you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I it's all about. That. You think the great thing about the internet um, and social media and stuff like that now is everything's um, transparent. It's real. Advice to anyone starting out: I would say um, people always say um, you know invest in what you believe in and invest in yourself. But if you put the two and two together, invest in yourself, believe in yourself. Do you know what I mean? Self self awareness and self belief is what's going to get you through. You know the, the the working hard, the working smart, the transitions, the adaptability, the you know the setbacks, the the failures. You know, we always say success comes from any failures. You know, um, you won't. People say learn the hard way. Learn the hard way is the only way. Anyway, yeah. If you if you get away with something, you don't learn. Yeah, you have yeah. to learn the hard way. Yeah. So you know, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to fail. Um, you know, fail regular, fail fast. Um, but yeah, advice to anyone starting out, just coming back to what I just said, um, you know, believe in yourself and invest in yourself because nobody else is going to. And when, when you say invest in yourself, that doesn't mean financially back your ideas. What it means is invest in yourself in terms of your time. Make those sacrifices. It's not what you do nine to five or um, on the weekends when you're family and friends and stuff like that. It's what you do in your own time. When it's just you, whether it's 7 p.m. at night till 12 o'clock on the night or whatever, what you do with your time will dictate, you know, you, you yeah. and where you're going, what you're doing, stuff like that. You know, most people spend their downtime, as we call it, they, they, to escape from life. They watch Netflix, drink alcohol, do, do, do whatever. Most people want to escape. You need to use your time to create a life that you don't need to escape. Do you know what I mean? Um, you yeah, know, I get when it. You love what you, when you love what you do, you're already successful the way I see it is. I, I, 
regardless of any financial, I'm not in a fantastic financial position. I may never be, who knows? But I see myself as successful because I love what I do. Um, and, you know, you, you've got to make those sacrifices and, and invest your time in yourself. You've got to, you've got to learn. Do you I, know what I mean? I agree. I would definitely categorise myself as successful based on the fact that you love I get you to come to work and do what I like yeah. to do. That's more important. And if I could choose to do anything, I would choose to do this. Yeah, I think we need, to, we need to change the whole conversation, change the whole narrative. It's like when I was young, I was of the mentality that you go to work to earn money. That's why it's called work. It's not called happy fun play. Time. No, it's it's called work for a reason. It's it's about earning the most money. You know, when you leave school, you think, oh, what am I going to do that's going to earn me the most money? That way of thinking needs to be gone. So what's next for you then? Last question. Um, what's what's next? next? Obviously, with the, uh, with the current situation, with the virus, um, events are on hold, everything's postponed, rescheduled. Um, but we're working very hard in the back uh, in the background, um, lot of sort of trying to be sort of very innovative um, with the whole you know the, the whole digital side. Um, so yeah, it's very much a, a case of focusing what you can do, not what you can't do. You don't sit there and say, oh, we, we can't do live shows, we can't do live music, we can't do. Sit there complaining about what you can't do. Let's see what you can do, yeah, even if you've got to take, even if you've got to take, you you know, on a regular basis. If you haven't got to take a step back to take two steps forward, you're not really moving forward, are you really? You know, I can't think of a time where I haven't had to take a step back to take two forward, to be honest. You know, if... if no, it just makes sense. You, you yeah, you know, I mean, even if you're moving sideways, it's better to... It's like, you know, you hit a brick wall. If you hit a brick wall, you have to take a step back to see over that brick wall, to see how high that brick wall is and, and how you're going to... You have to take a step back to assess it. Am I going to go around this brick wall? Is it doable to go over? Is it doable to go through the brick wall? But either way, you have to take a step back and evaluate. And again, it's the same with when, when it comes to business. When you hit a brick wall, when you hit a ceiling, you know, you don't just give up, do you? No. You know, you, you, you find a way. Um, but, you know, you have to be... Um, like I say, you have to be... It, it, it does come down to that self-awareness of knowing just because this works for somebody else doesn't mean it's going to work for me or isn't going to work for me. So that completes this episode of Spotlight With. Don't forget to like, rate and subscribe and we'll see you really soon for some more episodes.